Welcome to The Screeners, Episode 8. This week, we discover the hope for a cable-free future is none other than John McCain. Next, we talk about some exciting new trailers just hitting the big screen. It's high hats and arrow collars as we dissect Baz Luhrmann's ambitious take on The Great Gatsby. Our main event turns into a Trekkie geek fest as we boldly go into J.J. Abrams' new Star Trek universe. Finally, break out the tissue as we revisit the films that have impacted the screeners in such a way that we never want to see them again. Let's go. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Chris. And Chad. Melody. And Josh. And we're back again to talk all things media. We wanted to take a minute just up top to say, if there's anything that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, please drop us a comment at screenerspodcast.com or send us an email at screenerscast at gmail.com. All the listener feedback we get, we want to feature on the show in the mailbag. So please, guys, Definitely send that in so we can talk about it. All right, let's jump straight in to Jump Cuts. All right, welcome to Jump Cuts. This is the lightning round of our podcast each week where each of us will talk about a topic, but every answer is limited to 60 seconds. If one of us likes to exceed our 60 seconds, Chris, then you'll hear this sound. So let's jump right in to number one. I was reading this week about a bill that John McCain wants to put out for legislation. I don't know if that's the right wording or not. But anyway, he wants to talk about breaking up uh, the cable network's packaging that they do of television channels and unbundling them so that you can buy whatever you want, however you want. Let's see here. He puts out three things that he thinks is important. He wants to encourage the wholesale and retail unbundling of programming by distribution and programmers. He wants to establish consequences if broadcaster chooses to downgrade their over-the-air service. And he wants to eliminate the sports blackout rule for uh, events held in uh, publicly financed stadiums. So it's kind of a, a big deal, especially when it comes comes to FCC stuff and broadcasters. Uh, Chad, what do you think about what John McCain's trying to do? Hey, John McCain, whoever thought that uh, would be like, go John McCain. (laughs) This hits us right in the sweet spot as far as things that I like. I want to talk in particular about number three. I'm a a big sports fan. So the idea of eliminating a sports blackout rule for publicly financed stadiums is awesome. Blackout rule, for those of you who don't know, essentially means that if the stadium isn't sold out, but you live in that city, they won't show that game to you on television. And so it can be very frustrating because you could be in Atlanta and not be able to watch a Falcons game or something like that. So just that alone is enough to get me excited. But anything that is going to let people choose what they want a la carte, I am all for it. So go John McCain, although I'm doubtful this will ever happen. (laughs) Right. Melody, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's awesome. I think definitely that this is hopefully the way of the future as far as as the content comes from the cable companies. I think that, you know, there needs to be some change. And I think that his ideas look awesome. So don't know if it'll happen right now, but at least we're getting the legislation out there to hopefully make some change in the near future. Joshua. Well, it's probably no surprise. I think it's a good idea, too. Um and John McCain's actually supported this for, I think, several years now. And this this might even be the second or third time he's introduced a bill like this. 
which 15, shows 15 you how years now is what he's been trying to get this. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it shows you how um, successful he's been so far doing it. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I do think it's a good idea. I have to bring up the one decent counterpoint I've seen to it, though, just for the sake of argument. Um, so the reason we don't like bundles is because we're subsidizing all these channels that we don't care about. People who don't watch sports are subsidizing a ton of sports channels. Um, you know, lifetime shows, reality shows, whatever you don't like, you're still paying for it. Um, but the other side of that is that the cable networks or the cable distributors in America support and create channels like C-SPAN, which several people probably wouldn't subscribe to <laughs> if they weren't part of their what? part of their deal. Right. And I and I'm done. <laughs> Thank goodness I was. Falling you lost Chris like at C-SPAN. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was falling asleep like I do when I turn it to C-SPAN. You know what C-SPAN is, Chris. Chris, what about you? I, I mean, I think this is great, obviously. Number three, I could really actually care less about. I hear a lot of my friends are sports fans, and so they always bellyache about the blackout rule. But I am, I am more interested in being able to buy the things that I want. And the people that want C-SPAN, the people that want the the – network shows maybe that aren't getting them as much support can just pay for those and support them. And if there's enough people there that'll get supported and funded, and if not, it won't. I like that, that democratization of, of that medium is being able to choose what we want and the people who want it will pay for it. And if there's not enough people, we won't get it. I like it a lot. Good stuff. And you couldn't care less. You're welcome. What? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. You just said that you, wrong. The whole think, world says that wrong and it drives me crazy. But it's okay. It's I'm over annoying. it. Well, you, you know, people will understand and that's I'm, okay. I'm not, not over it. I'm glad you said that, Jeff. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Number two. All right, guys. I saw two trailers this weekend that got me so excited, one more than the other, but I want to talk about the first one. It's Neil Blomkamp's follow-up to District 9 Elysium, and it's, a again, kind of a, a futuristic take on, looks like classism. Neil Blomkamp is certainly interested in making social commentary in his films, but they're also very entertaining. Have you guys seen this trailer? Yes. yes. And what do yes. you think? I'm excited. I've been waiting for it for a while. I've gotten a lot of the I follow a lot of like the behind the scenes stuff and there's been a lot of behind the scenes photos being taken of Matt Damon in this crazy suit he's wearing um, and just really wondering what it's all about and how everything fits together. It looks it looks cool. Looks cool. And Chris, were you a fan of District 9? A huge fan. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that film. It was it surprised the heck out of me. Yeah, that was one of mine. Didn't expect it and walked out like mind blown. Yeah. What about you, Melody? Have you seen uh, this trailer? Yeah, I saw it. looked awesome. I was so excited because I was seeing Star Trek, and then there was like all these sci-fi trailers, and I'm just so excited for sci-fi in the cinema. It makes me very happy. And I was definitely a fan of, of District 9, too, and this, this one looks awesome. I'm excited. What about you, Josh? Well, I'm going to surprise everyone and say I did not see District 9, but <laughs> oh, it's it's not something I'd rule out. I just never really got see, around you to would, seeing You it. would like District 9. You would, Josh. Josh. You I, would. I might, but people said that about Children of Men, and I hated Children of Men. Oh, oh God. you're weird. But Every week, Depression. he makes more people hate us. <laughs> Depression. <laughs> but as I did see the trailer for Elysium, and to be honest, it just blended in for me with all the other movies that are about space or the future or some kind of dystopian. I mean, I like sci-fi, but it seems like overkill this summer. We've got all of these, we've got Star Trek, then World War Z, then Elysium, then Oblivion. And it's 
Starting. Yay! Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm buzzing you on principle, Josh. Done. <laughs> okay, so another one uh, that I saw was the new Alfonso Cuaron film, speaking of Children of Men, and it was Gravity. I had heard about this, but I had no idea what it was when it first came up, and I saw it in 3D, saw the trailer in 3D, and the sound was spectacular. And this is one of those moments with the trailer where my... Um, mouth was probably hanging open my jaw on the floor because i was just blown away have you guys seen this trailer yes yes and what do you think i i'm i'm excited about it i believe i I need to look i need to fact check but i believe this script was on the blacklist for several years um it's one of those things i don't want to give it away because i don't even think the trailer does but i mean the actual plot of the film is very crazily unique like something you'd think you can't possibly film that uh, and so I, I'm, I've been very curious to find out what they're going to actually do to make this thing work and pull it off. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. It, look, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, cool. What about you, Melody? Yes, I was super excited. I hadn't actually seen anything about it. So I was like definitely riveted during the trailer. It looked awesome. My only like mm, hesitation about it is that George Clooney is in it. And I feel like he's done several of these sci-fi spacey type movies and he's never been super great in them. But I do love George Clooney. I just feel like he's done this before. But I did not know. I just I just looked it up on IMDb. I didn't realize from the trailer that Sandra Bullock was in it. Yeah, that's yeah, the she's lady. the girl. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So anyways, I'm excited. Looks great. And what about you, Josh? I saw a trailer for it. I'm starting to wonder if I saw the same trailer. The trailer that I saw was very... I, I, it didn't say anything about the movie, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting because yeah. trailers that's right. give too much away these that, days. That's why I try that's not to exact. say anything about okay. it because I. It, that's why. Okay, it's so a it is the same trailer. trailer. Yep, I, I thought it, it was interesting, but I didn't. It didn't um, stick with me enough to want to go home and look up what it was. Because again, they were in space. But right, Josh. Does think, anything make yay. you interested in the world uh, of theater? Yes, and the cinema? trailer for Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing made me very interested. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All what did you right. think of that, Josh? When you saw the the trailer, I thought Joss Whedon doing Shakespeare with Nathan Fillion. I will see this, and yay. I'm very intrigued by this. <laughs> You're Good. seeing so. something as a victory in and of itself. This is look. True. I have seen more movies since we started doing this podcast. Right. Yay, that brings your grand total to like seven. Congratulations. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Melody, what about you? Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I, I'll see pretty much anything Joss Whedon does, and I will definitely see anything with Nathan Fillion, so I'll be seeing it. All right, Chris, as our resident person that would probably be most predisposed against <laughs> so this movie. Oh, what? <laughs> no. What, what do you uh, no. think? That, that's the exact opposite. I love Joss Whedon, and anything he does I think is going to be excellent. And they, they filmed this right after the Avengers wrapped, I think over the course of like seven days in a friend's like mansion home. And uh, so it, it looks really great. And everybody, all the actors came together and did it and just kind of did it on their off time. It was – I can't wait to see it. It's going to be good. Oh, yeah, real good. You see, the reason he said you would be predisposed against this film um, – yeah. Is is I don't know whether you knew this, but it's it's don't based tell on him. A play. Don't tell him. <laughs> don't tell him. You're so condescending. <laughs> it's Josh Whedon. You're gonna love it. I do actually enjoy Shakespeare, believe it or not. But yes, no, not. I, I 
<laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> I do. I, I really do. Come on, guys. We Stop know. It. All right. Well, for me, there are a handful of directors that I will see anything that they make regardless. Josh Whedon is not in that category yet for me, but he's inching toward that. So this and how this turns out will play, you know, a large role of whether I whether he yeah. joins that elite group. It is up to me to introduce our first real movie review of the evening of The Great Gatsby. It was one of the movies I was looking forward to the most this summer, enough that I actually picked up a 144-page book and read it. Um, I actually was one of the few high school students of America who did not read The Great Gatsby, was never assigned it, to my knowledge. But I enjoyed it, reading it, and... Well, I'll leave my opinions of the movie until we get to me. But I'm wondering, everyone else, I hope, saw this movie. And so let's start with Melody. Did you see it? And what did you think? I did. I did see this movie kind of a little bit against my will. I'm really yeah. not a Baz Luhrmann fan at all. Um, but I did see it for you, Josh. I saw it for you. Oh, warm um, yes, I will give you my overall impression. Uh it was pretty much what I was expecting, uh, a spectacle of a classic story. Uh, not, I, I didn't feel like it was anything too like amazing or life-changing, but I will say what I loved about it, and I did love Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I thought he was great, wonderful. Every moment that he was on the screen, I was enjoying watching him in this role. Um, the other acting was fine. I really am a... a a Tobey Maguire non-fan, whatever you would call that. Don't like him at all. But in this movie, he was fine. He didn't bother me too much. I didn't think he was great, but he didn't irritate me. Um, it was a very long, long movie. But um, like as far as the story in general, I probably am just missing a lot of the deeper meanings behind things. But to me, like the meaning of this movie is just about wealth corrupting and destroying the good things in life. And... To me, that's just depressing, and I don't really want to see movies about that. So, um, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. He's fine. Chris, I cannot wait to hear what you thought of The Great Gatsby. Well, let me start with the cons first. Um, okay. The... Are there any pros coming after the cons? Or <laughs> Yes, there are, actually. Oh, awesome. um, <clears throat> the cons are, I, I really felt this movie was self-indulgent, like most of Boz Lerman's stuff is very much like I know what I'm shooting right now is beautiful and so I want to show it to you and I'm going to even take it to the next level. There's a scene that happens fairly early on in the film and by early on I mean in the first like hour and a half of this film. Um, there's in, in a bar, uh, not a bar, I'm sorry, in a hotel room where everybody's getting drunk and having a party or whatever and there's like this guy with a mustache and just there's a lot of like caricatures happening in that scene and so it's just very kind of self-indulgent on the nose you know uh the cgi uh the voiceovers especially really bothered me um toby mcguire's voice by the end of it was like great like nails on a chalkboard for me and the text effects that showed up i thought was sloppy it just kind of felt like are you serious 60 seconds well, all right. Well, never mind. I don't have any positives to say. I knew he had no. Co I knew positives. <laughs> do you want to can extend I, it? Do you want me to keep going or not? Uh, well, <laughs> we we can keep going now, or we can keep going later. I would just let him finish. So yeah, can hear the you're good in the middle stuff. of a thought. Okay. Anyway, so I, I just thought that those things were rather sloppy. But on the positive, even though it was self-indulgent, I still felt like the film was very beautiful. Great acting uh, all around. I felt like. Um, 
Carey Mulligan and um, Leonardo DiCaprio, and even the I can't remember the character's name. The the guy that Carey Mulligan is actually married um, to, Tom. Tom, great. I mean, everything was was very well put together, and I actually enjoyed the movie actually a lot more than I thought I would going in. I felt like I was going to hate the film, um, but I actually ended up enjoying it. I don't think I, like Melody said, understood the gravity or why this was such a great thing, and maybe just because it's you know not put in its historical context. But I actually. I, I didn't I didn't hate the movie. I thought it was actually pretty good, even though it was longer than it ever needed to be. Chad, how about you? All right, sixty seconds. So I think I think part of the the issue with a movie like this is that Fitzgerald's written word is very beautiful and poetic, and trying to convey that in any other way except a voiceover or throwing it up on the screen is difficult. So I think you have to accept the fact that a movie is ostensibly trying to do something different than just recreate a book. It's trying to be its own thing. So I think in that regard, it it succeeded. Uh, I think the 3D was one thing that, you know, I expected a a Baz Luhrmann film shot in 3D to really be visually dazzling, and I don't think that it was. There were moments in some of the party scenes where it was, but it just felt like it was just more stuff. You know, it was just stuff, more stuff on top of more stuff. Some of the maniacal camera moves were a little bit too much for me, and um, overall... Anyway, okay. why don't you keep going, Chad? The, the, okay. Finish how, your thoughts. Finish your. Yeah, thoughts. I mean, how do we? This is a review. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. A little okay. Bit different, so, go so, ahead. so it, I just felt like it had a lot of stuff. Now, I, I did not, I did not hate this movie at all. As a matter of fact, I, I rather enjoyed it for what it was, specifically because of the performances. I thought that DiCaprio was spectacular. Yeah. I, I mean. Oscar-worthy, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and I thought that Edgerton was also very, very intimidating. He was just like he is in the book, where he's described in the book. He's you know very masculine and overbearing, and and so the performances. I really wish they would have spent more time making the raw emotion. There's there's a hotel scene towards the end that is marvelous from beginning to end, and I really I wish that. Baz Luhrmann was more interested in the raw emotion of what happened in that scene throughout the whole movie because he can never just sit still and let stuff kind of happen with the performances. He's just got to keep throwing, you know, glitter at the screen, which I I understand because I think that trying to film an unfilmable book like this has been known, you got to kind of have to go all out that way. But um, I I like this movie. Some people really hate it. Some people really like it and really love it. And I'm probably right in the middle that I did not hate it. And I think my affection for the book probably um, is keeping me from liking it even more. Because overall, for me, it was a positive experience, for sure. What about you, Josh? I think I pretty much agree with just about everything you said. I I liked it. I wasn't really, I wasn't blown away by it. Um, And a couple things were a little different than I expected from the book. But I, I liked the way they handled the narration actually um really going back to what chris said well yeah the 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 entire book is essentially a narration it's it's a recounting almost to himself in in a journal yeah of Mm -hmm. what happened that summer and he was in a sanitarium is that no well well so here's the thing sorry i don't mean i don't mean to hark on your review but you're probably the one i mean i I guess you've read it too chad but i am not i'm not too familiar with the source material so he is not. He's just telling the story in the book itself. Right. But that's one of the, this being one of the books that's discussed and critiqued 
all over literary critics and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that's one of the themes that kind of keeps coming up. Why, why is Nick telling this story? Hmm. And one of the kind of academic tropes out there is that, well, maybe he's this summer kind of drove him nuts and he is telling this story to psychiatrists. And so it's it's interesting that that's how Boz chose to frame it. I don't know whether it, he's it, read the article. I, I hated that. As, beginning a, and as a film goer, it threw me off because the moment I know he's crazy, I thought <clears throat> for me, knowing nothing about the film, I thought for sure that it was going to turn out that he was the Great Gatsby. Like I was waiting for that to be like you're always looking for the twist. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I knew nothing it's about not it. So much that he's crazy. He's you can be checked into a sanitarium for. No, I know. Josh would know this. But the way that they introduced Gatsby was like, hey, no one's ever seen Gatsby. And like, that was the thing that didn't make any sense to me. Like, no one had ever seen him. And then you see him in the film and then everybody knows who he is. It was kind of weird. I thought that was this kind of strange beat. But anyway, continue. That, that is that is interesting. Um, and to go back to what Melody said, I, I don't I don't think the themes. I don't think the message of the book is a is a. Uh, defamation of wealth or corruption mm. or things like that. I, I think the main mm. goal of the book is just summed up in the last line. It's it's all about repeating the past and trying to repeat the past. Can we repeat the past? And yet we're always trying to, no matter what, we're trying to go back in our head and redo things. He was trying to rebuild his relationship with Daisy that couldn't happen because it, the ship had already sailed and so surrounded by the trappings of racism and classism right, and right, right. all that other stuff. So I, I got a question for you, Josh, about the actual decision like of the filmmaker. Do you think Boz added or detracted to the the text? Like hmm. because here the the reason why one of the things that kind of bothers me is I feel like in ten years this movie's gonna be silly because there's so much CGI in it. Like, none of these places really exist, right? I mean, it, it looks, it's almost like a cartoon. Yeah, the, I, the, the, a sense of place in this movie was a definite, uh, was was definitely missing. It, all of the, especially, is it the City of Ashes? You know, or uh, what do they right. call that, yeah, Josh? Am I saying that right? Val, yeah, I'm, that I'm felt like, too. anytime they went into there, it felt like a cartoon. It reminded For me sure. of, like, uh, Roger Rabbit, honestly, because like, yeah. of the cars yeah. and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so but, I mean, there's no even, sense of oh, of place and reality. It's in the book. No, yeah, I know, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying on visuals. film. On film. Yeah. On film, because it just I, seems I, silly. I have no. Again, I have no. I, I don't. I've not read the book, so I don't. I don't have anything as far as that goes. But when I was watching the movie, for me, it did, never felt like this was like the the way that the the camera kept going back and forth between the two houses um, and the actual outside of the homes and you know how well lit everybody is and you can tell that they're on a green screen and it's yeah it just i the, just don't know how well this movie's going to age yeah you know the, what i mean the party se- sequences i thought what other way could you do it you know i mean i thought those were i mean there are other ways you could do it but i yeah, i like the 1920s, I, I, I mean like the old kind of style and is there movies. another way boz lerman could do it right. probably not well, that's yeah. why i was asking do you think boz lerman added to this film or did he take away from it he added I, to his own collection of films it's yeah, a yeah, i haven't seen any of the older versions of it yeah because uh, this is what number three four whatever of the great gatsby mm-hmm. um as far as it's a tough question okay because I, I, I liked his portrayal in 
For Sorry. me, this whole thing seemed just very scattershot and, and kind of all over the place unless um, the characters were engaging in some meaningful way, particularly mm-hmm. once you actually meet Gatsby. When you meet Gatsby, everything kind of – because DiCaprio is so um, compelling mm-hmm. that yeah. that it kind of grounds the movie a little bit. His perfor- yeah. Without his performance, this movie could have been an absolute disaster. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I just I, again, I I just felt like it was it like the Boz Lerman stuff threw me out of the movie, and the actual story I was like compelled by. <laughs> like I wanted to know what was going on. Sure. I was trying to be. The characters are great. The sequence in the the tea sequence in um, Tobey Maguire's mm-hmm. house, wonderful, was, yes. was awesome, wonderful, I like funny. Loved that, but yeah. but I mean like yeah, exactly, and awkward, and how Leo like. Like was, you know, he's this wealthy, smart guy who like falls apart when he's with this girl. But like the way it looked was actually quite good. It's yeah. just because it was G. Exactly. He just sat yeah. still for a minute and let the actors yeah. act. Well, I think the reason the story survived all these years is not due to the story. It's due to the writing of the book. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why I was OK with the narration being in and out of it as well, because I mean, it, yeah. it, they're beautiful words. I don't think they that are. that took away from. from I, I the agree. Film. I agree, but you could always tell when it was coming from the from the book, and then when you you know what I mean, like when the, and then it's we'd... the Great Gatsby. I think it should be from the book. Josh, did you? I think you. And we'll move on here. But so overall, you're positive. Overall, yeah, I'm positive because I like the story. I, yes, yeah, I did too. I bought the romance. I really did. Mm-hmm. I bought it. There was romance. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> no, 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 the no. camera. It was right after the explosion. No, no, no. What romance are you talking about? It's right. I don't know. It all seemed rather twisted to me. Sure. Right. I mean, Carrie Mulligan's just kind yeah, of like loves anybody. Yeah, who Carrie Mulligan is crazy. Yeah, she is. You know, and, and like Leo is just trying. I mean, I don't know. The only romance that I saw there was between uh, was between Toby Toby McGuire and Leo and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh. Right? <laughs> well, uh, here we go. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make it that way. I'm just saying like. They're under. Romance. They're under. So under I don't mean. I don't mean to that. take it anywhere any further than that. I just mean those two guys. They had, I, th- I felt like the only real chemistry there, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, Daisy's an obnoxious character in the book, let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I that's don't, true. I didn't, she didn't seem that obnoxious here. I just didn't. And they cut, out, they cut out some things as well. There were, uh, there was. They cut out Nick's romance. Nick's romance. Mm-hmm. Cut out. That's right. I would give it like a, a B minus in, in, my, in my book. Okay. I mean, it was good. It, it, go see it. But it's three it's hours. So bad, isn't that about what Bad Boys Two got? <laughs> <laughs> so let's round it up. No, I'm sorry, Bad Boys. Bad Boys Two got a B, and this is just, All right. just oh, Bad Boys Two is terrible. Word. So let's round it round it up. Should you see it, and if so, should you see it in the theater? Yes or no, Chris? Yes, you should see it in the theater in 3D with a with a group of people uh, that maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think you should. Yes, Josh. Yes, you should see it. Um, I don't care whether you see it in the theater, and I don't care whether you see it in 3D, because it might be better if you were drinking whiskey like they do in the movie. So maybe you want to do it at home. There's lots of drinking. There you go. I say see it in the theater for sure. Definitely see it in 3D. Actually, you know what? Don't definitely see it in 3D. I don't think the 3D added that much. Uh, but definitely see it in, on the big screen. It's worth it. Uh, Melody, what about you? Yep, I agree. You got to see Leonardo DiCaprio. He's amazing. So yes. go see it. It's worth it. Welcome to the main event. 
All right, our main event this week is one that I am really excited about. We are reviewing the new film by J.J. Abrams, Star Trek Into Darkness. So the plot summary goes like this. After the crew of the Enterprise find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization, Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture one to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. Film stars Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, and the ever-popular Benedict Cumberbatch. Here's Star Trek Into Darkness. You think you can't make mistakes? But the choices you make could get yourself and everyone under your command killed. But I believe in you, Jim. What a poem, Kirk. Sir, there's a ship heading right for us. You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew. Now, shall we begin? The ship's dead, sir. She's gone. No ship should go down without her, Captain. I believe in you, Jim. All right. Well, we have been waiting for a long time to review this film, and I have a feeling it's going to get a little heated here (laughs) on the screeners. But um, before we give our overall impressions of the film, we thought it would be good to give a little bit of our Star Trek backgrounds uh, so that you can, you know, know how to relate to our opinions on this particular film. For which I am very much excited to talk about. So I will first give my Star Trek background um, in case you have not picked it up already on the podcast. I am definitely a Star Trek fan. Been watching since I was a young child. My brother and I actually um, recorded on VHS every single episode of Star Trek Next Generation uh, and cataloged it so that we had them all recorded and watched them many, many times over. So I'm probably a Next Generation fan first, but... I love all Star Trek, Uh, and I I am a fan of all of the movies as well. So I could could give you a lot more information than that, but uh, we'll leave it at that for now. Chad, what about you? Well, of the four of us on the podcast, I am going to be the least... Uh, qualified uh, as a Trekkie, as my relationship to Star Trek has always been based around the motion pictures and not much of the television series. I have seen, I want to say maybe if I had to throw a number on it, 25% or so of the original series and the next generation, but it was sporadically. It wasn't, you know, complete seasons or things like that. But uh, I'm intimately familiar with uh, all the films and, and have, uh, liked some of them and not liked many of the others but um so that's my perspective coming into this conversation so i I think i might be in the middle holding back the uh the two sides warring here in just a few minutes (laughs) okay chris what about you i mean i am a trekkie um star trek the next generation is probably the greatest television series of all time for me and um i mean I'm one of those guys who has been to Star Trek conventions. Uh, I own the first edition of the Star Trek Encyclopedia, uh, where I had to go onto America. I've actually looked at it uh, yesterday. I've got the first edition. I had to go on my dad's America Online account when I was, uh, I think it was 94, and actually print off the seventh season of Star Trek Next Generation because it had not been printed in that book. Um, And so, I mean, I... 
I love it. Um, seen every episode of all of the series, seen all the movies. Definitely, like I said before, Next Generation is my jam, but all the others are, are pretty fantastic as well. So, yeah, I'm a huge Trekkie. I love everything about it. No, I was just going to say, I forgot for me, our, our two yeah. girls did wear um, matching Star Trek dresses uh, on Friday when we saw the film. So just take that for what it's worth. Yeah. We love Star Trek. We do. <laughs> wow. Okay, okay. Josh. Josh, so, just your history, please. <laughs> well, hold it in. I, 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 can't, I can't hold it to just that because Chris and Melody are being way too too modest here and just going over the the raw technical details of their Trekkie status. So the three of us went to high school together and we were all in drama together, believe it or not. I've been told I was well suited as the father in Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) So how it went down was after every play was over, after the last performance, we'd all get together for a cast party and Melody's parents were usually nice enough to host the cast party and so we would all get together, we would eat, we would watch movies for a lot of the night, and then we'd all fall asleep in the living room. But Chris and Melody would occasionally just be off somewhere else. They'd be gone. Uh-oh. And yeah. they were off getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. They, 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 were, they were making out like high schoolers do, right? <laughs> like no, the kids do these no, days. No, no, they were not. Uh-uh. Yes, like kids do. When I went looking for them, I would find them in another room, not, not just watching Star Trek, but playing a Star Trek computer <laughs> trivia game <laughs> with their their love for each other blooming with each Klingon serial number they recited. Wow. Each answer they got right. He's so, so not even kidding. Yeah, this is wow. not, This is true, folks. So this is the human, the very human, softer, emotional side to this space drama. And... I felt it needed to be shared with the world. This is how true love blossoms, and this is the real meaning that Star Trek holds. Mm-hmm. All right. What? For me personally, what? now on to me. Wow. For me personally, I grew up watching The Next Generation, and it is definitely in, the, in my top shows of all time, too. Chad will advocate for the West Wing, but The Next Generation mm-hmm. perfected the walk and talk before the West Wing was even born. <laughs> sure did. So, uh, no. Sure did. I love The Next Generation partially for the space adventure, but more so for the philosophy that underpinned the franchise. And this is, I think, where we might part ways in a few minutes, because I have no affection for J.J. Abrams or any of the franchises he's started or taken over. I find it to be mindless twaddle, but getting ahead of myself. You said twaddle. So, So I... I've only seen, actually, I've only seen a couple Star Trek movies, and they do not include the 2009 J.J. Abrams. I tried to watch it once when it was on television, but I didn't have the guilt that I had paid theater money to see it, so it was much easier to say, I can't watch this anymore. Wow. Uh, wow. So this is, this is the history. That, that is, that is uh, very sad to hear, Josh. So did, okay, so, so I think that we should go ahead and give our overall impressions of the new film, since that is the purpose of this main event. Uh, We'll keep this part brief, and then we will go into spoilers and talk more about Star Trek Into Darkness. Have at it, Josh. I guess I'll just start back with what I was saying about J.J. Abrams, that I don't really have any affection for anything he's done so far. And J.J. Abrams was on The Daily Show, I think it was last week, admitting to the nation that he did not like Star Trek as a kid. 
he said later on that he came to appreciate it later. I assume by later he meant after he had been paid the money to do the movie, because that's exactly what you'd say if you were trying not to alienate people. But it's too late because I know a secret. And I know he didn't awesome. write the script, but the movie does have the distinct feel of someone who like read a Cliff's Notes summary of the original series and fit the highlights into their own plot oh. that bore the absolute minimum amount of similarity to the spirit of Star Trek. The characters wow. are there. They have their requisite accents. They have wow. the stiffness that we've all come to know and love from Star Trek. There's a tribble, and there's other nods to fans of the franchise, but that's where the Star Trek ends. Take all that out, and you just have another summer movie. But all the summer movies this year are about space or the future, so at least it fits in. I meant to actually meant to start out with the good news, and I was going to prove I wasn't a total jerk, but I've already ruined that. Right. Yeah. The good news about this movie is that as a movie, it was actually better than most of the movies I've seen this summer. It was better by far than Oblivion. It was better than Iron Man 3. But Amen. I mean, those two didn't really set the bar all that high. But as a movie, it was reasonably entertaining. I laughed a couple times, which is more than I can say for those other movies. So I, I think the best performances were Scott Pegg and Benedict Cumberbatch, but maybe we'll get to that later. Well, okay. Josh, I'm that's, so that's glad it. to hear you say that. All right. Chris, what did you think? Okay, so <clears throat> as far as the plot details go, there's a lot of plot issues that if you wanted to go through and pick, you could. The The, the script is not perfect, and there's several points that I kind of shook my head in the film and thought, oh, man, why do they have to stoop to that level? Um, but for the most part, I felt like, unlike what Josh was saying, I really felt like the actor's were the characters that we were familiar with. Um, and they're not, they weren't just caricatures of Kirk and Spock and Scotty and all these other guys. I really felt like they embodied those, those characters. I thought the action was really great and a lot of fun. Um, just the right amount of plot going on and, and, uh, storytelling with inaction was just, I, I thought the pacing was fantastic. Uh, it's a great sophomore film for, you know, a franchise that has you know, effectively been completely rebooted. I mean, yes, of course, there's gotta be some aspects of the original series thrown in and I almost went into spoilers, so I'm not going to, but it's just, it's a great, it's great. There's, there's all these little peppered in um, moments and characters that were there before that you're seeing again, but a little different. And it's just, it, it's, it's, it's really great. And I had a lot of even like audible and like physical reactions to what was going on and just really involved in this film. The score was awesome overall. I mean, I just, I really loved this movie. I, I had a great time. It was, it was a blast and just about every level. Chad, what did you think? Since we're doing just general impressions, uh, I'm. I agree with Josh in that, you know, you see a movie like Iron Man three that is supposed to be entertaining, and it has all the you know the ticks on the list that are checked off. It's got you know the re, you know the prerequisite action scene and the you know the certain kind of villain and ABCFG, and yet there's no life to that film. There's nothing that is engaging. And then you see a movie like this, where just on its face, it is just an very effective piece of entertainment that um, I, I very much enjoyed. Now, I did not like this one as much as the original, not the original, the, the 2009 reboot. And we can, when we get into spoilers, I'll talk about why. But overall, 
I, I thought this really had the potential to be something a big step down uh, after the first one, but there is enough good stuff here. I love the banter between uh, Chris Pine and Zachary uh, Quinto. Yes. Uh, it's just it's just a pleasure to watch that. It is it's funny at times. It's it's just invigorating. You know, I just I love those characters and to to watch them, you know, on the screen again is just a joy. The entire uh, cast, really, uh, and Cumberbatch is a very effective um, foil to uh, Chris Pine, and we'll talk about that more in spoilers. But so overall, this is a, a slight step down for me from the 2009 version. But J.J. Abrams, I'm going to disagree with Josh. I just he from Mission Impossible three to Super eight to the first uh, Star Trek in 2009. This guy just knows how to make entertaining film. Super and 8 was not entertaining. It was. Yes. It absolutely it was. Not. was. It was awful. Good. It absolutely was. No, so you're 100% wrong. Um, he just makes he makes good movies that um, are entertaining. So yeah, when we get into specifics and spoilers, we'll talk. We'll really delve into it. But overall, it's it's a thumbs up for me. The best the best movie of the summer that I've seen so far. All right. Well, I, as far as my overall impressions, I mean, I just, I cannot help but love this movie. When the Enterprise, like, rises up out of the ocean and goes up into space and it jumps to warp and the title Star Trek comes onto the screen, it's just like, oh, so much happiness in my heart. So, uh, for sure, I'm going to love it. And I did love it. As far as the plot goes, I mean, I definitely had a couple really, really big problems with it. To the point where after the movie, we were out in the parking lot, like discussing it with the friends that we had gone with. And I was like yelling, screaming mad. But uh, I, I still loved the movie. I, I was just I upset wait. about a few things. But um, but I do feel like, you know, if if the plot was going to go in this direction, then I don't think it could have been told much differently. Just a couple things. Yeah. Maybe Damon Lindelof and his writing buddies took a few days off and some interns wrote a couple sections of the film. Or maybe but, it's the other um, way around. The interns. That's what I was going to say. Oh, come on. Damon's pretty good. But, um. Yeah, come on. I, Kurtzman I just, and Orsi wrote this thing, too. They're the ones. They did. To, come do on. you follow them on Twitter? Do you do you follow Roberto Orsi on I Twitter? I don't because oh, the, they write terribly. Continue. Well, you need, go, Melody. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit here. We'll but there. go ahead. We'll yeah. Um, I just felt like there was some serious intelligence insulting going on in this film that was below the the caliber of star trek in my opinion um but i am willing to forgive it because i love the the bringing back of the feeling from the original films i'm not talking about the original series i'm not talking about next generation i'm talking about the original six star trek films yes these characters are those characters it's like I'm, I'm it's like I'm watching them the characters that I know and love from the original films but like better versions of themselves I love the Bones character I love Scotty I love Spock I love Kirk I, it's like I'm just enchanted as I'm watching them because it's them but better and like the banter is fantastic the humor is so much the humor of the original films but I just think it's like masterful that they can capture that feeling but in a modern package so I'm willing to forgive the other stuff because it's just I feel like I'm watching another classic Star Trek film and it's awesome. Yes. So there there you have it. I guess we will now go into spoilers. Warp speed. <laughs> Engage. <laughs> You're listening to the Screeners podcast. 
Come! Oh. <laughs> so the biggest spoiler, let's start with that first, and then we can, I think, ripple around that big spoiler. From several years ago, since I started filming this, they said this movie had no con in it, and as it turns out, there was a con. Liars. His name was Con. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, so what do you guys think about Khan? Them, them choosing Khan as the, the main baddie in this film. And what did you guys think of him as a character? I mean, I thought, um, you know, when I saw the trailers and, and began to watch yeah. the film, I realized it was either going to be Khan himself or it was going to be a retelling of a character very similar to Khan. Yeah. So, you know... Basically, that was the story it was going to be. So, okay, if they're going to retell this story in this new alternate universe, uh, then let it be Khan. So was I, I obviously, I was not surprised when they revealed that it was Khan. I wasn't thrilled with the way they revealed that it was Khan. Um, But... I, I was I was okay with it being Khan. I was okay with that. I yeah. think it made a lot of sense that it was Khan, actually, because th- just in this post-9-11 world that they have created, it's post-destruction of Vulcan world, um, you know, they're trying to create that same feeling of now we have to protect ourselves and, you know, make sure that we've got the best, quote-unquote, weapons of mass destruction and of course the best soldiers there are going to be genetically enhanced and you know they're going to you know have superpower and all that kind of stuff and yeah we're going to maybe go back to a program that we had turned our backs on because it was terrible but we need those guys now i i thought it was really kind of clever the way that they they brought that eugenics war um genetically modified um, humans back into it. And, and I think Khan fit really well, actually, into the, the storyline of this parallel universe that they're creating. Yeah, I, I, like, I agree. Although it's the it was the least surprising surprise right. in history. I mean, it was yeah. like, okay, <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we know. My and, name and it was a little it was a little over the top. Khan. The way that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> My name is Khan. It was. But like, you know what? He, who cares? That guy, yeah. the way he delivers that every line, it's just like, oh, you're great. So yes, you know, yeah. and yes, and I did I did like the arc that they had with Khan at the okay. beginning. This. And again, I hate to just keep comparing these two movies, but they tried to essentially do the same thing. When you're talking about like global terrorism imagery, you know, Iron Man 3 tried to do that and it was completely ineffective. And then I thought it was very effective in Star Trek. Khan, for me, I'm going to be, if I have to be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed, and we'll get into more specific spoilers when we get to the very end of the movie. I am a little disappointed that they chose to go where they went with this. Uh, his character, especially where it leads to the Spock and Kirk thing at the end. Uh, no. Because it, yeah. I, you are wrong. I'm sir. not wrong. I'm not wrong. It's oh, the same right. movie. Okay, guys, listen. No. It's, listen, I, hold on. It's no less effective. Okay. I'm going to be completely honest and say that I got a little teary eyed at that moment. Okay. But because I was manipulated, because I love the characters, and I have a history with the characters, and I love the music, and it's beautifully shot, it's all well done. But I've seen that story. Okay, they reversed the characters. Big deal. We've got this wealth of creative talent around this property, and what they could have done with the character of Khan. I mean, I just – literal goosebumps sitting there. I was just like, oh, this is is so – freaking good but what what i liked about this what what i really enjoy is is that they're saying yes this is actually going to be a similar story except they can make different choices 
And I like that because especially when it comes to like, I was just reading an article talking about the, the relationship with Carol, um, how it's going to be different this time around. Maybe he won't be an absent father to David, who, which is a big deal, big th- a thread through the original um, motion pictures, the original six. Um, and like they can have those exact beats, but they can make different choices and, and have a different reaction and, and we can kind of experience yeah. them in different ways. I think that's, ex- yeah. I think that's to exciting me, and To cool. me, that is less exciting because oh. it, no. it is. It is. Oh. Because if you look, it, and I, I did appreciate the fact that at the end of it, it was like, okay, here's our five-year mission. We're going to go. Where do you want to oh. go? That opens it up, okay? A perfect example would be, and I know a lot of people really have a big issue with the opening sequence, um, for lots of different reasons. I loved it. I loved it. It was funny. It was engaging. Oh, yeah. But but to me, that felt m- so alive because it was, even though the tropes are not original, it's a new thing that they're in. I haven't seen that before. It's an, I don't know where it's going. And I'm on the edge of my seat, and I'm loving it. I want that for an entire movie. I don't want to know where it's going. And so to me, we're going to be in similar situations, but we can make a different choice. That's not enough for me. I think it's got to go somewhere they've never gone before i I see what you're saying chad and i I was hoping maybe i was partially hoping that this film would just go in a completely different direction and not be a con story but what i'm saying is because they chose to make it a con story i don't i cannot imagine them doing a con story where it didn't end up with kirk being the one inside the warp core i mean that that's just it it couldn't be be any other it, it, it could not be any that. other way. It could it, have it, been. They should have left no. him dead. That'd have been a real. That thing. is. Well, yeah. That, that is my great. Big, that's that my is biggest problem. With that it. is my biggest problem with the film. That is the way this movie should have ended with the, the Kirk's funeral. That is the way this movie should have ended. Now, I, 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 He's I, way too handsome to die. Come on, guys. Yeah. That. Well. That. That is. I think too. Melody, you wanted to mention that. I mean, that. That is my biggest problem with this film is that what they did with Kirk and how they solved that whole. Issue. I was just—I was just livid at that scene when they're in sick bay and Kirk comes in there to talk to Khan and ask him to join him to fight. You know, the who is he? Admiral? No. Yeah, Admiral Marcus. Yeah, Admiral Marcus. Like they're in there having this like extremely important and deep conversation, and suddenly Kirk looks up and is like, "Bones, what are you doing with that tribble? <laughs> so oh, stupid. let me just inject this blood that into him." It's some... Hey, it's I mean, I was so angry at that. I, I, I mean, up until that point of the movie, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, we have to go see this movie again. We have to go see it again. I want to see every second of this movie again." And after that, I was just like so mad for like a good half an hour that they did that. Just uh, obviously knowing that either Kirk or Spock was going to be in the warp core and that's how they were going to save him. And it was just, they could, they could, they didn't have to do that. They already proved that his blood had healing powers at the beginning of the film when he heals the girl. And for them to do that thing with the Tribble was just so insulting. I was so angry. Yeah. Was it's foreshadowing. That's no, not foreshadowing. that is not foreshadowing. That is just sloppy. It was sloppy. Pandering to the, idiot audiences that are seeing this film <clears throat> mindless twaddle yeah <laughs> i was very Gosh, angry you've been very just quiet a, just enough overt signals to make the audience feel intelligent unless you actually are intelligent like you guys and then you're angry josh very what is, angry what is, well, I, I, you've been very quiet and i want to hear what kind of what well 
I've been very quiet because I've been ashamed that I have not seen the Wrath of Khan. Oh, I saw every week. Guys, listen, we got to have a new segment each week called Another Classic That Josh Has Not Seen. Hold on. Don't get to talk. You just went all on about how you are a Star Trek fan and you have not seen the Wrath of Khan. I've only seen a couple of the Star Trek movies. First Contact. Um... Some of the more recent ones that had my favorite characters in them. Oh my God. May I suggest I the Voyage You're Home? You're telling me you have not seen the six classic Star Trek films. Have you seen the I Voyage Home? I believe that is what I just told you. Josh, All right, Josh. You, you really, as, the as the Final fan, Frontier is terrible, just for the record. Sorry. Please yes, continue. It is. Yeah, it is. Four is the best, then six, then The two. Voyage Home is actually great. Voyage That's Home is four. awesome. That's four. And it is amazing. And Josh, you sh- this might be the one of the reasons why you're not this really... This is why you don't get these movies. Yeah. It all becomes clear. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, Josh, you I have to see the copy. These movies. There is nothing to get in this movie. Oh, the writers don't like the fact that we went to war in Iraq. I'm shocked. That's all there is to this movie. <laughs> No, that is Look, all. There is. We have allegory now. It's allegorical. <laughs> I'm talking see? about the characters and the humor yeah. because they are c- completely this, from the, the first six films. The, yeah. the humor was wrapped up entirely in Scotty, and Scotty was great. No, it wasn't, it wasn't wrapped, wrapped up entirely. It's not just those There two. was some great stuff with Kirk and Spock. Absolutely. There, there was some stuff with Kirk and Spock. No. I got that it was supposed to be funny. So yeah. are we going to say anything about so I Josh I mean well, do you think Hold else? on before we leave there Josh I don't I don't think it's just I think there was you're you're selling it a little bit short it's not just the, about the fact that the writers don't like the fact that we went to war. I mean, there's some other moral things in there. Kirk's Kirk's line into the film and I think this is very Star Trek. This is Roddenberry. And this is what Kirk says and I love this. There will always be those who mean to do us harm to stop them. We risk awakening the same evil within ourselves. I think that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is the point of this film, and I think it is very Star Trek, very much Roddenberry, very. I, I love it. I, it gives me chills, and I, I love it. I think it's. I think it's a great uh, thing to build a movie off of. I yeah, think it's it's, it's definitely interested in U.S. interventionist kind of overseas policy for sure. But that's well, I, to, but to that's, me that's clear. But that's what we yeah. are now. I mean, the Klingons now are the the terrorists, right? The Klingons back in the '60s were the Soviets. But it it it, it literally it, it's all about the times, and of course they're going to talk about that because that is the prevailing thought in society right now that's what everybody's talking about and but, so of course they're going to tackle that why yeah, but, but they're not there's... tackling it hold yes, on though are, that's no okay go ahead what do you mean no they did not they didn't tackle anything they made a statement about it there was no two-sided discussion it was this is bad the end yeah What's but bad? but there's there's all it's not just that too there's also a hint of I guess what you would call 9-11, like, trutherism. Like, the idea that, you know, the admiral was complicit in the terror attack to that's start Robert a war. Zaborski. That is his... his I mean, that's, the that's, that's that that's there's different levels of, of conversation to be had in there, because that was clearly what they, I, I think, what they were trying to, to say there, you know, because there's lots of conspiracies out there about 9-11 was a government job and all that stuff, so they hint at that stuff as well. Yeah, that he needs a a reason to attack. I disagree with the fact that this is not a worthy Star Trek film. I think it is saying things. And I think of, of course it is not diving too deeply into them because all you've got is two hours 
and uh -huh. it's got to be an exciting film. It's got to be if we if we had you know still a summer hours, action flick. Yeah, if we had twelve hours in a series, it would it would play out differently. It would be Deep Space Nine in its sixth and seventh See. seasons, which are fantastic. But this is. This is a two-hour film that brings up the questions, gives you a great thrilling ride, and leaves you with you know some great things to chew on if you want to. You don't have to. You could just come out saying that was great, or you could say, wow, what was that actually trying to say? You've brought that up before, that there's only two hours. Yeah. Some, of the, some, of the best, some of the best sequences, some of the best thought-provoking moments in The Next Generation were either one episode or two episode stretches. No, I, I disagree with you. And not not that the story wasn't an hour, an hour long or two hours long, but you, you've invested in those characters and you mm -hmm. can believe the decisions they make because you followed them for four seasons. That's or, not necessary. And there was no character is. development to speak of in this movie. That so they're not, they're not like not. they didn't have to take time for character development because there was none. Yes, there was. Yeah, there was because at first Kirk, Kirk freaking fired Scotty. He he, he was going to take the order. He was going to do what he was supposed to do because when he didn't obey the order before people, you know what I mean? And people died and there was this awful thing. And so he wanted to make sure that he made the right choice. He remember his, th that statement um, since the incident, whatever. I have not lost a single crew member. I've had a perfect record. I've been I've been doing fantastic. I've, I'm doing well. And he wanted to keep that squeaky clean he wanted to follow orders, be a good captain, and I'm going to go shoot these weapons off without thinking. There, of course there was character development. What are you talking about? That was the, the whole point of the first 40, 45 minutes of the film. Oh, is that what the point of that was? <laughs> it was. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. The final last sequence. That of... Okay, so for me, oh. I felt like that was nothing but him like saying, hey, I can do Star Wars, guys. You want me to do Star Wars? It um, was embarrassing and completely ridiculous. Yeah, you cannot You fight. can't have a fist fight with Khan. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I was wondering. Do Vulcans, I, I didn't know this part of canon. Do Vulcans have yeah. super strength? They have some, some extra strength. Like, I, I kind of bought, like, the whole, like, pinch point thing for well, Khan. But, that, that's... but you can't have a fist fight with Khan. And they already proved that in this movie in case it hadn't been proved already when, when Kirk is like smacking him in the face a million times oh, yeah. that was just completely ridiculous and I don't even understand that there was so low stakes after yeah. you know the starship battles and then they're just like running around earth on a whatever transport thing that was it, it, it I was felt like extremely we were, disappointed I, I felt that. like we were suddenly in Star Wars land with, yeah like, but let me looks, I don't very weird I don't think that anybody that's not a hardcore Trekkie would have that same issue I think most people would just assume that Spock has some sort of equitable strength even though you guys may not you know that that's not the case I think you know if, if I took my brother to see it or some or my wife they're just going to think well they're both strong and then they can just fight each other okay but even if they were equals did you feel like that was an exciting ending to no 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 film? i think the entire i think the entire ending of the film was a letdown for sure Thank you. but whatever but overall i loved it i enjoyed it very much very much not as much as the first one i remember when the first one ended in 2009 like I, I think I may have seen that three times in the theater, and I never do that anymore. Yeah, uh, it was so. It was just such a wonderful experience, and this one was just a little bit less. Just a little bit less for me. I agree. I think the first one was better. I don't remember having a screaming fit in the parking lot after the first one. So, well, I think it was a little yeah, better. but I, and I agree with you. But I mean, it is again. This is the second film. You know what I mean? And so there's always that like 
Okay, what I know, do you, I, but how do you follow have, up the first one? You know what I mean? If it's it a could good, have been such simple tweaks to make this so no, much I better. I agree with you. It, it, yeah, I, I don't think just like you said, Chad. I, I don't. I think it is slightly less than, but not like yeah. a huge step. It is. It was just a yeah, on the same par. I mean, and, and they're both great films. So, yeah, I loved every second of it. I can't wait to see it again. And um, let me just read this. And uh, I think it'll be the f- perfect way to finish our discussion. Are we ready? Well, let me let me just say this before you read that. Okay, sure. Uh, this movie has me unbelievably excited for Star Wars Episode Seven for the yeah. following reason. Yeah. This Whoa. script was a disappointment, <clears throat> I think. Oh, uh, the banter, the crew stuff was great. Overall, though, Kurtzman and Ortsy and and Lindelof, and I think Lindelof gets a lot of unnecessary hate. I think he's actually very talented, but. <clears throat> With episode seven, um, you've got an Oscar-winning screenwriter in Michael Arndt that's writing the script. I have confidence that that script is going to be strong. And then having J.J. put his style on top of a really solid script has me very, very excited. No doubt. But so far, this movie is winning the summer. It's awesome. It's so good. Until Superman Returns. And because it's running out of hose. No, no, Superman Returns was terrible. Man of Steel is going to be great. I'm, I know, I know. You, you know. meant That's until I got you. I got you. I got you. You see what I did there? Hey, <laughs> well, both. I'll be here all week. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. All right, read your quote. Star Trek Into Darkness will have its share of detractors. Diehard belly acres will use their TI-83 scientific calculators to formulate all the ways Abrams has ruined their favorite franchise by making it fun, fast-paced, and watchable. The heartfelt humor and excitement of Abrams' films will no doubt alienate those who like their trek served like their Klingon proverb for revenge. Cold. That's that was it. terrible. <laughs> well, where's the, the end? <laughs> I thought I was waiting for the other shoe to fall out. Okay. Uh, it was awesome. The Cutting Room Floor. This week on The Cutting Room Floor, we're going to take a different angle to a somewhat common question. People are always asking and being asked, what's your favorite movie? What's your top five favorite movies? This week, we're going to ask, what are some movies that had a big impact on you? Maybe you loved, maybe you just appreciated, but you never want to see them again for one reason or another. And I think Melody will be starting this off. So when we first discussed doing this segment, I had a movie come straight to mind as the primary example of this for me and probably none of you guys have seen it but it's a movie called The Painted Veil it's with Edward Norton and Naomi Watts and it's about um a doctor that goes to China in in this cholera epidemic and it's about it's about the marriage of of the two people and um I watched it uh, just kind of like randomly once um a few years ago when it when it first came out and I was not expecting, I mean, I was just expecting like some sort of romantic drama, whatever. But like this movie made me sob for a long time. And I don't <laughs> usually cry a whole lot in movies. And it wasn't, uh, it was just extremely impactful. And I, I would definitely say that I loved this movie. Like I was so impacted by it. And it was terrible and beautiful and crazy. But I absolutely never, ever, ever want to see it again because, I mean, I cried for a long time after that movie. So, ah, anyway, 
that that would be my number one. A couple other honorable mentions for this: um, United '93, uh, definitely an impactful movie that I don't wish to see again. And this one also came to mind today. Um, I'm not saying I would never see it again, but I probably I probably won't. Uh, Saw. Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> the top of like, my most that's emotional. <laughs> no, because in a, in a different tears. way, in a different way, like this movie, I don't know, got under my skin. Like I see a lot oh. of horror slash or whatever, whatever, but I don't know. <laughs> this movie definitely got under my skin, and um, in a million years, I never would have picked Saw for this list. That's <laughs> funny. I'm sorry, I like the human centipede. Uh, that would not be one that I loved. Like I did, I did love the movie Saw. I thought it was extremely compelling and and freaky and whatever. Yeah, but first one was great. Um, I don't wish to see it again. So oh, and one more. Mm, I don't know if I really want to say this because I would probably see this movie again, um, like with somebody that hadn't seen it, and I would be like, hey, you should watch this movie. Um, but on my own, I probably wouldn't watch it again. And that is Life Is Beautiful. Oh, okay. um, yeah, that was another extremely emotionally impacting film, but very mm. well. It's sad, but also wonderful. And yeah, yeah. okay, that I'm done. <laughs> I think Saw is going to win this conversation. <laughs> Shut sure. up! Yeah. Yep. My Saw answer is, is the painted veil, and if you yeah. haven't, because <laughs> it's crazy. Because it's right. awful, and I sobbed <laughs> for a long time. I'm going to run out and get it right now. All right, who's next? Chad, how about you? I have three. One, this was the first movie that I can remember sitting in a theater. I was, I want to say, 17 years old, maybe 16 years old, and um, literally sobbing, like embarrassed at myself and embarrassed. The whole the whole theater was sobbing. And to give you a, an idea, I'm going to read the plot description via IMDb. A terminally ill man prepares for his death. Period. That's it. <laughs> and it's called, that's the that's wow. the plot description. It's a bucket list. No, Sounds awesome. it's called list. My Life, uh, and it stars Michael Keaton and Nicole Kidman. Oh, and I've son. seen that. Movie. It's literally a movie about a guy who has a beautiful family, and he's young. He's like in his forties, and he gets cancer and dies. The end. And and it has like an extended. I want to say like 10 to 12 minute sequence where the entire family comes in to say goodbye at the end of the movie and he's in his own home in the bed and it's miserable. It's miserable to watch. And he and this was back when Keaton was, you know, he was in kind of the prime of his career, solid acting. And it was just, I mean, miserable experience, sobbing, sobbing. So my second one, Melody Stole My Thunder. That was United 93 for sure. Uh, I remember seeing that in the theater and just being angry and crying and got a standing ovation at the end of the film. But that was one of those that I even went and bought it on. um, I don't remember if it was in HD when I bought it or not because I came in 06. But I definitely bought the DVD and I never opened it. It's still sitting on my my DVD shelf unopened. But I wanted to support it. But the hands down winner for me when it comes to a movie that just ripped my soul apart and I would never watch it again is actually a documentary and I tweeted about it and put it on Facebook when I saw it. It's a 2008 documentary called Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. And this is about, uh, and I'm not going to give anything away because the best way to experience this film, and I would recommend people see it. I apologize in advance, but you need to see this film because it's very well done 
it's essentially a filmmaker who has a friend who wants to memorialize his friend who was killed uh, by his friend's ex-girlfriend, and that's as much as I'll say. And he makes a documentary surrounding the experience of, uh, of that murder and its aftermath. I went through levels in this movie where I watched it. I was at, at home alone. I was still single at the time when I was watching this, where I was I had to leave the room. I would walk up and down the steps. I would scream. Folks, I'm not exaggerating. I would scream at the television and with tears streaming down my face. It was it's the most unbelievably impacting, awful thing I've ever seen, but still worthy of of experiencing so i would recommend it with the caveat that you understand that it's going to wreck you but you but it deserves to be seen so it's uh it's a love letter from this guy to his friend dear zachary a letter to a son about his father wow wow all right <clears throat> um chris yeah mine are, are not nearly as deep as those uh yeah um <clears throat> my Star first Trek one's gonna be uh, the great gatsby uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, no, the first one I have on my list, I think, came to my mind the first. And I don't know. I don't know. That would be The Mist. Um, I don't know if you remember this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but why are you sorry, laughing? I don't know why I'm laughing. I feel laughing his emotions. I just forgot about the ending of it. I was like, The Mist. Oh, wait laughed. a minute. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. Go what? Ahead. No, go ahead. I really enjoyed that movie and what I was trying to say, um, and and everything was going well until the ending, and it is devastating. And it's, especially if you're, a, I don't want to get too far, but if I mean if you're a parent, um, if you have kids, if yeah. you, I mean, like it just it it does the same thing. Like <clears throat> it is it's it's rough. Uh, so and that anyway. is not how the 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 short story ends. By the way, that was the <laughs> filmmaker's choice. Right. Well, the filmmaker's choice definitely messes you up um yeah and so uh i would definitely never revisit that film again simply because of that but i i really felt like um that was it was a good film and you'd probably enjoy it but just know that it's the 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 resolution is not exactly what i was expecting or hoping for at all um another one for just different reasons um and i actually uh googled this and i was looking at a bunch of different you know uh, movies that they recommend and I actually really agree with it because when I saw it I really enjoyed this film but I'll never revisit it not because it messed me up or it was crazy but just because once you know what's going on you're really not interested in revisiting it again and that is the Blair Witch Project mm -hmm. um, you see that movie once you've seen it great um, it's a good experience one off mm -hmm. and I probably I, I probably go that even go back with even some of these other recent horror um, found footage films is that the the interesting part of those films is watching them once, but then once you know what what's in the bag, you're not really interested in visiting it again. Um, and so uh, that and then the, my third one would be uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, I oh, no. I, I saw that Pan's once, Labyrinth. and that's it's gorgeous, it's well done, but again, it's it's the same kind of uh, brutality and just kind of just uh, I don't know. It's it, it's definitely a hard movie to watch and to kind of to kind of grasp and and you you definitely are going to think a lot about what you just watched um and kind of dissect a lot of it and it's it's not exactly nice stuff to really think about i think so, I've, I've probably seen pan's labyrinth conservatively a dozen times i yeah, love that's interesting. I didn't that get movie. any of that out of pan's labyrinth oh, i love it i just I mean, watched it on an airplane about 
two months yeah. ago again. Well, it's I, great. I, I understand how so maybe some people would really enjoy it, but for me, it was one of the. And, and again, it's one of those. I'm literally looking at it on my DVD shelf right now. It's still shrink wrapped. I bought it because <laughs> I liked it, yeah. uh, but I'm I'm never going to open it up and watch it. It just it is. Well, give yeah, that to somebody that will. That's a masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. It was a great movie. I just great movie. I just don't think I'll ever watch it again. Cool, Josh. What about you? Well. This is kind of a, a bad question for me because I don't tend to watch a lot of movies more than once anyways. I, I used to more than I do now. Uh, but I, I've seen some movies that have made me cry, but I wouldn't, and some movies that have been depressing, but that wouldn't really keep me keep me from watching them again. I mean, I, I think of, I obviously I was tearing up in Les Mis and I would see that again. But some of the movies that were more deeply depressing like Magnolia and movies like that I would go back and watch again anytime I had yeah. three hours and really wanted to be sad oh no laughs on that okay <laughs> uh, Magnolia was actually on my list I just I, I went over yeah it. I thought about Magnolia too. I like I, yeah I love Magnolia actually. I loved it but I don't yeah. think I would really watch it again yeah I like it and I would watch it again well you although would. it was it is depressing but now I want to I don't know. I'm a glutton for punishment or something. Now I want to go see Dear Zachary, which has been on my Netflix queue since you originally mentioned it and yeah. how awful it was. And I've just, I've never braved it. I've never been like, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch this horribly yeah. depressing movie. Yeah, you need to. And then just, just, yeah. And the, the same thing goes for uh, Precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Right. Actually, let me, I, have you guys seen that Chris Melody? No, I no. Ha- Josh. That one's not I, that one for whatever reason got seemed to get a reputation for being that same way. But I've seen it a couple of times, and it to me it doesn't. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's actually really? somewhat. I don't want to say inspiring, but it's not like everybody said it was. You know, uh, so I, I would recommend you see that. That's a that's a, a good film. Hmm. Okay, I, I can. I think my wife watched that one weekend when I was out of town or something. So I might get around to watching it. I might not. Yeah. But. I need to see Dear Zachary, and my life just sounds awful. It's awful. It's just, it <laughs> is. I remember no that movie. Dude, that there's, movie no, there's, there's no point. Uh, they sat around the table and were like, what could we do to just make everybody uh, miserable? Exactly. And then, then they made a 90-minute movie out of it. I, I guess that's about it. If we're talking about when we originally talked about this question, we talked about movies that had an emotional impact, and I was all ready to say, well, is – is anger and hatred an emotion? Because I hated Crash and I never want to see it again. <laughs> but I think that might be. Yeah, you know, that's I say that about a lot of films. I hated that movie. I'm never watching it again. That's kind of you know, know the sad part yeah, that's about why we changed it. I think. Yeah, the sad part about the film industry in general is that there are very few movies that come out in a calendar year that would ever make anybody want to watch them again even movies right. that you like Agreed. you like them but you're yeah. just kind of like eh, i like it and but they're completely disposable yeah. that's, that's why true. when movies like life of pi or that's things little, like that come out then it really stands out to me anyway i love life of pi that's a little depressing for someone who wants to make movies yeah <laughs> you say things well like no that. you want to make good movies you want to make yeah no i know but you just said even good movies people never want to watch again well i mean it's true i mean think yeah. about think about all the movies that you've seen in the last whatever that you enjoyed but that you wouldn't really ever carve time out to watch mm-hmm. again here, here's the thing i agree with you and that is why i am now depressed and, all right <laughs> victory this well, segment has worked everybody yeah, is sad awesome. yeah no the thing is you just you have to make a thought-provoking movie to make people want to see it again it has to arouse something that they want to come back to or be just so 
completely off the rails like Memento or Primer that you have to watch it again if you liked it at all to right. understand any of it. Revisit it to get box. it. Yeah. Like Upstream Color. Anybody We're, visited that yet? I haven't yet, YouTube. but I'm going to. It's available on demand now. So It is DRM free, which is another thing we can talk about. Uh, we're going to stay away from piracy mm-hmm. today. DRM sucks. <laughs> Pirates. The Cutting Room Floor. All right, we got a lot of listener feedback from our Iron Man 3 review, and I wanted to just highlight one of the reviews, and that is from Andy. He says, Wow, brutal on Iron Man 3. The movie for me answered the question Captain America asked in The Avengers. Without the suit, what are you? The first two movies had Tony Stark flying around in a metal suit, fighting other people flying around in a metal suit. If you wanted that, go watch those. This for me had to be about Tony Stark, or it would just be like the other two movies. So what do we think about that, guys? Do we agree with this? Well, Andy, I do agree with you. I think that that is what this movie should have been about. And I think that's what they tried to make it about. And I was compelled for a while thinking, oh, okay, we're separating the suit from Tony Stark. This is cool. But like we said in the review, it just never went anywhere. We didn't really get to see who Tony Stark was. Or if we did, we were disappointed with who he was. That That's my take on it. Yeah, I I have to say I I agree with Melody. Um, I thought it could be great to explore Tony Stark and have Robert Downey Jr. be Robert Downey Jr. and be be great in the role, but there there wasn't anything there for him to build on. I, I felt like the script was too choppy to support the kind of development that was needed for that. He had a one-liner here and there and a psychological event, and then he was better. And then at the end, he fixed everything. All wrapped within a movie that was completely uninteresting and had terrible action. Well, see, I was trying to be relatively neutral on that, but um, go ahead, go ahead, Chad. Oh no, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, we we still don't like it. <laughs> but thanks for the feedback. In all seriousness, we appreciate thanks. the comments. This yes, um, and keep them coming. There's we also more. had one from Samantha who. I think one of her points at the end was she liked the villain a little better this time around because it wasn't Iron Man fighting robots. It was Iron Man fighting people who could superheat themselves, which is totally not robotic. Fire zombies. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to be mean, but yes, fire zombies. Yeah, but what else is it going to be? You know what I mean? Like you can't have Iron Man fighting a helpless man you know what i mean like i don't know dude they have like decades of comic books full of stuff to fight mm-hmm. yeah i know exactly you're right you're right this is going to be there's going to be a villain he's going to be somewhat powerful and it's going to end up kind of being the same thing right i don't know maybe maybe not maybe uh, we'll as far as the villain went i thought people were annoyed that the mandarin wasn't really the villain yeah that wouldn't have bothered me as much if if well yeah doesn't matter. We don't need to get into it now. Anyway, Samantha wants to know if anyone else out there liked the movie. So go yeah. ahead and head over to our Facebook page and give her some support. And yeah, I, th- is- I think evidently a lot of people in, in America do. Maybe we're just old and crotchety. But I think very if the comparison that we could do to Star Trek is that if if it is wrapped in an entertaining story and it has consequences and stakes that feel real and earned, uh, then you can forgive a lot of this other stuff. When it doesn't mm-hmm. have those things, then they just come right to the front for me, and so it's just not worth. It's just not worth the the time. Agreed. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.